Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Just go and get the staff these days, right? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Aftersford Planning Committee, 29th of July 2015. A uh, bit of housekeeping before we start today's business. Um, there's no fire drill intended, so if the bells ring, we have to evacuate the chamber through the double doors, down the stairs, and assemble, please, on the grass circle where fire marshals will look after you. Uh, all mobile phones should be switched off with no sounds, either alerts or otherwise. Um, this meeting is being recorded, so members please remember to make sure your microphone is switched on and speak into it rather than away from it, please. Thank you. And lastly, we have a fair few people in the room. Um, some speakers will say things that you agree with, some people will say things you disagree with. Please constrain yourself, do not burst into applause. Um, and certainly, please, no verbal intrusion in the meeting. Thank, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Right, uh, item one on the agenda is apologies and declarations of interest. Um, <laughs> you need to prime it up. Just, just keep pressing. You know. Thank you. Any declarations of interest, members? Uh, yes, Mr Chairman. Uh, UTT 151076 in High Easter. Um, the applicant is known to me. Thank you, Councillor Mar uh, Mills. Any others? I shall declare an interest in application uh, UTT 15 stroke 1046. Um, I was a guest of Hasto Housing Association at an awards dinner in November 2011. Fine. Now, moving on to the minutes of the previous meeting, which have been circulated. Can I take those as a true record of that meeting? Agreed. Thank you. I will sign those in due course. Uh, matters arising, I will go through them in the page number as illustrated on your iPads, uh, members. Page 5. Page 6. Page 7. Page 8. Page 9. Sorry, we're, we're finished at page 8, aren't we? Sorry, that's... What page is it? Fine, thank you. That will be signed. Yeah. Chair? 6 and 7. 
Yes, yes Councillor Lodge. Struggling a little bit with the pace of going through the, uh, the pages, but I have a, a matter arising from, which is just onto page 6 going onto page 7, which was um, regarding the, um, the haulage yard and the gypsy application. Um, I think a, a number of members will recall that uh, Councillor Freeman was subject to uh, a rather frightening incident. He, he, was, he was verbally attacked very seriously. I think Councillor Lochlin um, had heard what went on there. Sorry, do not. Sorry, I have to. I didn't actually hear a conversation. I heard a lot of shouting and I heard swearing, but I didn't actually hear any. And just to, put, to, to set the matter straight then, Councillor Freeman made, made no comment. He made no response to, uh, to, the, uh, to the comments from the, uh, the applicant who had been refused and hence any, any shouting and swearing was coming from the applicant. So the, uh, the attack was, was pretty serious. Uh, Councillor Freeman was badly shaken by that. Uh, since then he has in fact taken security measures. He's concerned about an uh, attack. Councillor Lodge, I must interrupt you. I don't think this is pertinent to the minutes of the meeting. Um, that, I have that to disagree an, with you. That was an off-meeting incident, and as such, we shouldn't be discussing it in this forum today. I think it's very strongly, strongly related to this, I'll, and I'll, it's very relevant to the I'll conduct of this meeting. I will take advice from our legal officer, if I may, please. Are we speaking about an incident that occurred within the chamber? Yes. And is Shouting and swearing? Indeed, yes. I was sitting here, I didn't hear either of those things. Uh, Councillor Lachlan did hear this, yes. But I, I say I again, I'm sorry, the, I, I say again, this, this isn't a matter for discussion at this meeting. <coughs> this is matters arising from the minutes of the business we conducted. That is not pertinent to the business we conducted as such as it res results to the Re, re, relates to the outcome of the decision. Chair, I, presume, I thought we were asking our, our uh, legal officer for advice on this. You asked, you asked the question. Yes, and I will carry on. Let her finish. Thank you. It was an incident that occurred within this chamber and during the course of the meeting, but it did not relate to the subject of this application as such because the decision had already been taken. So I, w I would ask then, is there an appropriate point in this meeting to discuss that incident and the ramifications from it? No. It's a short answer. There is no opportunity within this meeting. That is we are, unbelievably we are here to decide on planning applications. But it's a, it's a planning meeting and surely the conduct of the meeting is an important part of the process. You're, you're, the angle you're coming from, Councillor Lodge, should have been discussed at full council last night. You had the opportunity to do that. You were there and you did not. So I think we'll move on. Thank you. Could, could I ask the legal officer what the basis is for, for that comment? You say it can only be discussed at full council. Could I ask the uh, legal officer on that, please? This is a regulatory committee and we do not discuss the process of how we run that committee. Uh, uh, Councillor Ranger is quite correct. That should be discussed in another place. Thank you very much. I will do that. Thank you. We move on now to item 4.1, which is an application UTT 14-0127, an application for full planning permission 
at Onga Road South Great Dunmo for 99 dwellings. And Mr Brown, you are going to take us through this uh, presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. This matter was deferred from the previous meeting for a site visit which was carried out this morning by members. Uh, the application site, which I think members will be aware of, um, this is Onga Road coming out of um, Great Dunmo. You go in through the Kicking Dicky pub down through there, and you've got Clapton Hall Lane there, and this is a, a site there that members will be aware of. The application proposes the um, erection of 99 dwellings. This is a full application with access directly off a uh, reconfigured roundabout in this location. Um, the members will, from the report, see that there's been quite a chequered history to this particular application. Um, there is an outline plan permission that is lawfully there. The, the site has outline plan permission for 100 dwellings. Um, that, has been that has followed through a, a number of torturous legal proceedings where a legal proceeding, first of all, quashed the development. That The quashing of the proposal was appealed and challenged and the plan of permission has been reinstated. So the site does have an outline plan of permission for 100 dwellings on the particular site. Members also see from the history of the site that there has been a previous refusal on this site in terms of full permission. Uh, that, wasn't, that was a refusal since the previous outline was granted, and that was refused solely on grounds of layout. Uh, the issues regarding the principle were still, were still accepted by officers and by this, by this committee when, they, when, when that particular, well, that, the, the, ref, the full application was refused under delegated powers, but that was not on grounds of principle. Uh, there was quite a lot of issues regarding the layout in terms of the garden sizes, relationships between properties, as well as the general impact of the proposal going, when looking at the site, when you're going along um, uh, Clapton Hall Lane here. Uh, members will see these are quite low-rise dwellings along this particular location here. And in terms of the general setting, these proposals have been re will change to be much more lower, much more in terms of, they're not full-blown lungos necessarily, but they are lower, lower rise to actually be better relationship with the properties on the opposite side of Clapton Hall, as well as now achieving a full compliance with the Essex Design Guide in terms of garden sizes, in terms of, um, in terms of 50, 50 square metres for, for two-bedroom dwellings and 100 square metres for threes and above. Um, the mix of the dwelling is also considered appropriate as well. Um, you'll see from this particular site the green blobs are the actual um, affordable housing. So they actually, you now have a scheme where, again, with the clusters of 10 um, on 99 dwellings, you have no clusters of more than 10, either adjoining even clusters. So therefore, there is uh, appropriate dispersal of, of affordable housing within the development to actually mean that it's much more tenure blind. And in terms of the design of the dwellings, have also been addressed to actually be more in keeping with the done mode development. Um, that is all I need to say at this particular stage, and so therefore the application is, is recommended for approval, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mr Brown. We have a number of speakers on this application, and the first in the revised order is Mr Alan Storer. You have three minutes, Mr Storer. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'd like to correct the case officer's report on two vitally important issues. First, the report states that the site does have outlined planning permission for 100 dwellings, and this in itself is a material planning consideration. 
Members, that's wrong. The site does not have permission. It did at the time of the last meeting, but it doesn't now, because that permission has since lapsed. It was granted on appeal on the 12th of July 2012, subject to a condition requiring that application for approval of the reserve matters be made not later than three years from the date of that permission. To my knowledge, that hasn't been done, which means that permission no longer exists and therefore the previous permission should be of no consequence in your decision making. I now turn to the five-year housing land supply. The report of four weeks ago implied that the Council does not have a five-year housing land supply. But at that meeting, Mr Brown stated we currently have a five-year land supply. The report now before you refers to an obligation to maintain a five-year supply of housing. It also refers to an existing permission which, as I've explained, no longer exists, contributing to the current housing land supply and this being a factor material in considering its application. So I'd like to set out to you a number of points which I trust that you will take into account in your decision taking. First, Uttlesford does now have a five-year supply of housing land. The report to last month's planning policy working group says so. Second, your task is to consider the housing land supply as it stands now, not what it may or may not look like at some point in the future. Third, the Council is not under any threat of being without a five-year housing land supply in the near future. That's because, based on the Council's housing trajectory, the anticipated delivery of housing on sites already with planning permission means that a five-year housing land supply is likely to continue for at least two more years. This was noted by the Inspector at the Keir Appeal in his decision letter. So please bear these vitally important points in mind in your decision making. The site does not have planning permission and the previous permission is therefore of no consequence and the Council does have a five-year land supply and will have for some years to come such that the site's inclusion in the housing trajectory is therefore of no consequence. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Storer. And our next speaker is Dr Smitha Price. Actually, Adele Delta, we've done another revised order, if that's oh, okay. Oh, tricky. That? Right. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Thank you very much. Sorry, you have uh, three minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon, councillors. In addition to the previous speaker's points, we would like to bring it to your attention that the environmental impact assessment, which has been repeatedly revised and reissued, remains misleading. Taking noise and air pollution points as examples, the Taylor Wimpy noise assessment is flawed and this is explained in the Sharp Acoustics report sent to you yesterday. Typically, noise assessments are technical reports and UDC would accept them in good faith. Taylor Wimpy's assessment states that measurements were made in accordance with certain standards. This is questionable for the reasons stated in the Sharp Acoustics report, which include... No justification given for not following the preferred calculation technique for traffic noise and emission levels. Measurements were taken at approximately 25 metres from the edge of the A120 and not between 4 and 15 metres as specified in the TCRN manual. 
The microphone should normally be placed at a height of 1.2 metres above the road, but was taken 4.2 metres above the carriageway. The measurement levels obtained should have been adjusted to give a basic noise level and calculated back across the site. However, the assessor chose to measure noise levels across the site instead. In addition, measurements were made on the 19th and 20th of April 2011 when wind direction did not comply with the manual. In fact, the weather and circumstances were unique as the wind that day was actually blowing the noise away from the site during the hottest April weather on record. It was also during the Easter holidays and the run-up to the Royal Wedding when road traffic volumes were lower than normal. Future levels were therefore predicted from floor-to-base data. Ironically, Taylor Wimpey's agent, Boyer, wrote to UDC in September 2013 expressing their concerns about locating a school near the A120 on the adjacent site because of noise pollution. It is unethical to promote housing in an area where people will live and children will play subject to this level of noise. Air pollution is another important concern, but no meaningful measure can be gained from the Taylor Wimpey report. It was carried out long before the government initiative was announced to upgrade the A120 as a strategic route in the East of England development plan. In conclusion, had the developers' noise and air pollution reports been carried out accurately and correctly, it would have revealed similar results to those measured and experienced by residents, some of whom have moved away due to the noise. With results, accurate results, the Council would have had no option but to have refused the application in 2012 based on this fact alone. And councillors, you should refuse it today. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sell. And our next speaker is Dr. Smith-Price. And you two have uh, three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, the previous speaker has explained that the officer's report is incorrect. The screening opinion is highly subjective and either ignores or trivialises the impact on the character and landscape, noise and air pollution and Grade 2 listed buildings. It also fails to provide the means of balancing the benefits against the disadvantages at an early stage of the application. The future planning needs must be plan-led and not reactionary to speculative developers to avoid the subjective arguments that will no doubt arise. In addition, this application is contrary to policy in a number of areas. The National Planning Policy Framework states that the purpose of the planning system is to contribute to the achievement of sustainable development. I would like to remind you of the justifiable reasons I previously highlighted on why this application should be refused. These are on the basis that the proposed development is contrary to both adopted local plan and the framework. It's contrary to at least five local plan policies. Policy S1, which identifies the development limits for the main urban areas. Policy S7, which protects the countryside because the countryside is to be protected for its own sake and the development does not need to take place there. Policy ENV5, which protects best and most versatile agricultural land. This proposed development will unnecessarily concrete over agricultural land. Policy Gen 1, access, because it would simply encourage travel by car. Policy ENV 3, in that the site is an integral and valued part of the rural landscape and the proposed development would diminish the sense of place and local distinctiveness. It would be highly visible from the countryside and there is no evidence to demonstrate the extent to which the need for the development outweighs the amenity value of the site. These contraventions are equally applicable through the framework. 
The application is contrary to NPPF policy as follows. The development would fail to minimise the need to travel since Great Dunmo offers few job opportunities and people would be applied to commute to work. The site does not have access to high-quality public transport facilities and the nature and frequency of the existing public transport services, together with the distance from the site um, from the town centre, is such that the use of sustainable modes of transport would be minimal. The council now has a five-year housing land supply and there is no need to develop yet another greenfield site. Finally, the framework says that you should involve the community in decision-making. It will be apparent to you from the hundreds of letters of objection and the town's residents' consultation that the community is totally opposed to this development. Members of the committee, I urge you to refuse this application. It's contrary to policy in many areas and does not constitute sustainable development. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Price. And our next speaker is Sandra Lloyd. Yep. And you've got three minutes also, Sandra. Good afternoon, councillors. In addition to the fact that the proposed development is contrary to both the adopted local plan and the NPPF, it is also clearly contrary to both the Great Dunmow Town Design Statement and the emerging Great Dunmow Neighbourhood Plan. And the reason that is important is because they are both material considerations in the determination of planning applications. The design statement is supplementary planning guidance which UDC adopted as guidance in determining planning applications in 2009. Under the heading Guidelines for New Development, the document makes recommendations for the entrances to the town. These include A120, protection of agricultural land forming the setting of the Chelmer to the east and west-south of Branch Road Junction and west protection of woodland and agricultural land bordering the A120. The emerging Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan features two policies which relate directly to the site, these being Policy DS1, Development Limits, which state this neighbourhood plan defines the town development area which supports the UDC policy in infill and protects the rural setting of Great Dunmo. The town development area excludes the site, which is the subject of this application. And policy LSC2, important views, which states, important views from Great Dunmo of its rural setting are to be protected. Planning permission will be refused for proposals that adversely affect the following important views. View 7. View south of Onga Road, a view of rural landscape. The proposed development is therefore clearly contrary to the emerging Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan. Paragraph 216 of the NPPF sets out the weight that may be given to relevant policies in emerging plans in decision-taking. Whilst the neighbourhood plan has not yet been brought into force, its preparation is well advanced, so 
such as it merits considerable weight in the determination of relevant planning applications such as this development proposal. Planning law requires the applications for planning permission must be made in accord with the development plan and this material considerations indicate otherwise. You have already heard both how and why the proposed development is contrary to the policies of both the adopted local plan and the national planning framework. Members, there is no justification whatsoever to warrant planning permission being granted, but there are plenty of justifiable and defensible reasons for it to be refused. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Lloyd. And the uh, next speaker is Mr William Lloyd. And you two have three minutes, Mr Lloyd. Good afternoon, councillors. We have heard some of the many objections and I want to talk about the claimed advantages. There are three community benefits claimed and published on the developer's website. I will tell you why these are not benefits and do not outweigh the grounds for refusal. Provision of an LEAP. The LEAP is for toddlers and not suitable for ball games as there is limited space and parking bays on three of the four sides. Furthermore, the vicinity of the balancing ponds would be a magnet to children and would have to be made totally inaccessible. The contribution to improvement for local education. There are not enough primary or secondary school places in Great Dumbo. Despite mitigating effects, Essex County Council in their letter of the 11th of February 2014 states if the council were minded to turn down the application they would be grateful if lack of education provision in the area can be noted as an additional reason for refusal. The new bridleway to connect Flitchway route through the site. The developer makes much of the provision of a bridleway. We are talking about a strip of land wedged between a ditch and the edge of the estate and is not designed for cyclists, walkers and wheelchair users. The implementers of the Essex Cycle Strategy and the Flitchway Connection Project are dismayed that there was no provision in the developers' plans made for cycling and little consideration made for walkers to safely cross the Onga Road. They are told this will be sorted out after the development. The Flitchway Group have rejected outright the suggestion by UDC to cross east of the roundabout as they consider this unsafe. Residents have repeatedly highlighted and demonstrated with photographs the difficulty that larger vehicles have to negotiate this part of the road. These concerns are shared and have been expressed by some councillors with local knowledge. A solution has still not been provided and out of desperation the Flitchway Connection Group have been forced to negotiate direct with the developer to try and secure additional pavement areas to cross the road at a different point. This, if agreed, may safeguard cyclists using the Flitchway, but would not help the new residents who may wish to walk or cycle to the town. The Flitchway is a route through 15 miles of countryside and having to cross a housing estate would be detrimental to the entire principle of enjoying the countryside. Before the proposed development was on the table, the Flitchway Action Group proposed to use, as they did in the past, the single-track Clapton Hall Lane to access the path crossing Smith's Farm down to Hoblong's Junction, where the Flitchway can be rejoined along the River Chelmer. It would be a great shame if the development went ahead and forced this admirable project of many years to accept a poor compromise. The main benefit 
put forward by the developers is to provide new homes. However, in this case, and because the A120 arcs around the site, the positioning of new homes and gardens cannot mitigate the impact of noise pollution, as residents will confirm. And councillors, the benefits therefore do not outweigh all the negative consequences, and you should reject this application. Thank you, Mr Lloyd. Uh, next speaker is from Dunmo Town Council, and that's Councillor Philip Milne. And you have three minutes also, Councillor Milne. Okay. Thank you, Chairman. You've seen the Town Council's objections to our letters of the 29th of May and the 3rd of June, and heard the Town Council's objections from me at this chamber on the 1st of July and I do not intend to go through them all again, but I thank you for the second opportunity to speak. Your planning officer said that there had been no material change since this application was last considered. However, the circumstances and planning landscape have changed. The withdrawal of the emerging local plan means that this site no longer exists anywhere as a land allocation for development. It does not feature in the 2005 adopted local plan, and with the five-year housing supply now in place, there is no need for it. The Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan sets out development limits which do not include this site. The Group and the Town Council feel fully justified in omitting the site and are encouraged by the recent Winslow case that this decision should be support, would be supported if tested in law. The dismissal of the two appeals of Thaxted and Saffron Walden in early June further bolsters the Town Council's resolve to strongly oppose this application and gives us confidence that an inspector would support that stance. Great Dunmo has already contributed more than its fair share of development to the district. I quote Howard Rolfs, the leader of the Council's comments in last week's Dunmo broadcast, that Uttlesford District Council need to have properly justified strategy for the whole district. It should ensure that new homes are accompanied by jobs and infrastructure and the high quality of life enjoyed by residents in the district is protected. We are working on an approach that will lead to consideration of strategy and broad areas of search rather than sites submitted by landowners and developers. End of quote. The Town Council has consistently objected to development on this site as it does not comply with local or national planning policy and it would cause serious and significant harm to the countryside and the town of Great Dunmo. The proposed development is deeply unpopular with local residents as can be seen by the number of letters of objection. Dunmo residents firmly reject it and continue to voice their objections in these repeated speculative applications on land south of Onga Road. In short, as I stated at the last planning committee, Great Dunmo Town Council and the Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group object strongly, most strongly, to this application as the development is unwanted, unnecessary and unsustainable and urges the committee to refuse planning permission. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Mill. And our final speaker is the applicant's agent, um, uh, Hayley Ellison. And you have 18 minutes. Thank you. Uh, 
Uh, good afternoon, Chairman and members of the Planning Committee. Uh, thank you for your time this afternoon. I promise I won't take up 18 minutes, but we appreciate uh, the offer. My name is Hayley Allison. I'm a director at Boyer. We're planning consultants and we act on, on behalf of Taylor Wimpy in relation to the land south of Ongoda Road and Great Dunmo. You'll recall that this committee deferred uh, determination of planning application from the 1st of July committee in order to undertake a site visit. Uh, the primary reason for this was that many of the members of this committee uh, were not party to previous planning decisions made by this council in respect of this site. Uh, given the complex planning history and the passage of time and the objections that you've heard in relation to the development, uh, we provided you with a briefing note prior to this meeting to summarise the context, the planning history and the benefits of these proposals. The note clearly set out uh, the details of the application before you, including the provision of 99 new dwellings, of which 40 would be for affordable housing. 0.31 hectares of public open space, including a central green and play space for the benefit of new residents and the wider community. Policy compliant car parking provision, a mix of housing types and sizes, including one, two and two and a half storey terraced, semi-detached and detached houses comprising one, two and three, three and four bedroom homes. Development in an architectural style and materials reflecting the Essex and Great Dunmo character new bridleway along the western and southern boundaries which would link to the bridle, rider, wider bridleway network. Financial contributions totalling £650,000 for education and health care along with the provision of infrastructure on site or funding through Section 106 agreement. Our note to you set out the planning history and the context which is relevant to your decision today. Principally the outline planning permission for 100 uh, dwellings on this site was granted in 2012. That permission remains live and could be implemented by Taylor Wimpey if the current detailed proposals are not approved. Representations have been made to suggest that the outline permission is, is not a live planning permission, but that's simply not the case. Um, following a judicial review, legislation allows for an additional 12 months to implement, hence the permission is valid until July 20. 2016. It could be implemented and is a material planning consideration. The outline permission demonstrates that the suitability of the, demonstrates the suitability of the site for residential use has been established. As set out in the officer's report to you, the outline permission is a material planning consideration. This is particularly so given that the councillor was relying on the 100 homes approved in the outline permission to achieve its housing land supply. You've heard from objectors that the council have a five-year housing land supply now, uh, which was not the case when this application was previously considered last year. However, the council's housing land supply is 5.1 years, which demonstrates a small surplus of only 59 units. The 100 units approved by the outline permission are included, and therefore if this site is not developed to its acknowledged capacity, the council will fall short of its housing delivery numbers. The application, proposed, the application proposals before you represent a better scheme than the extant permission. Taylor Wimpey have reviewed the outline proposals and implemented a number of changes during the application process for the scheme to soften the appearance of the buildings and reduce building heights of some of the plots. The briefing note sent to you provides a comprehensive list of design improvements which form part of these proposals and which would improve on the already approved development for the site. 
You will have read through those details, so I will not dwell on them now, except to say that Taylor Wimpy are committed to building a high-quality development on this site and have demonstrated that commitment through their pursuit of this planning permission, even though they have an outline permission that could be implemented. At the 1st of July committee meeting, officers explained to the committee that uh, that the Council resolved to grant permission for these proposals for 99 dwellings on this site in May 2014. A decision notice was issued in July 2014 following the completion of Section 106 agreement. As you are aware, a legal challenge was made against that permission on the grounds of the environmental impact assessment screening process required by the regulations. Whilst the Court quashed the planning decision, no complaint was made about any other aspect of the permission. As Mr Brown explained to you during the 1st of July committee, officers have undertaken detailed screening exercise which resulted in a screening opinion concluding that the proposed development would not have significant environmental effects and therefore does not constitute EIA development. This was a view we fully endorsed. By issuing a screening opinion, the Council have addressed the reason for the July 2014 permission being quashed and the Council are entitled to reinstate the planning permission they resolved last year. During the period where the Council took, undertook the screening process for EIA purposes, residents were consulted and submitted further objections to, in relation to the proposals. No new issues were raised. The merits of the application were considered in detail having regard to the local plan policy and the NPPF when the Council resolved to grant planning permission last year. This committee has also had full opportunity to consider the merits of this scheme which are outlined along with technical assessments in the officer's report. Importantly, the proposed scheme has been amended throughout the application process to seek to address concerns raised by officers, third parties and statutory consultees. The principle of development of this site for residential use has been agreed by the planning inspectorate. Two independent inspectors have found that this is a sustainable location for housing development. This application gives the Council an opportunity to grant planning permission for what we believe is a better development than is approved. We urge you to resolve to grant planning permission for this application and to enable the much-needed housing and affordable housing to be built. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we're going to do that. Okay, members, um, I'll open this up to any questions we may have of the officers before we debate the uh, process. Councillor Lockin. Thank you. Um, <coughs> could you please, uh, for everybody's information, update everyone on the uh, position of the five-year land supply? Uh, and also, I just want to take umbrage a bit because on, uh, if I can find it, put my glasses on, on 11.6, which is on page 34 here, you've got the benefits of developing this site for housing in the short to medium terms outweigh any harm to the outdated local plan. But it isn't outdated until we get a new one. And all the other policies that you've mentioned, you haven't said outdated GEM4 or GM1. You've, you know, you cannot pick and choose. They're either outdated or they're not. And since the last plan was thrown out or found unsound, we have to work with what we have. So I, do, I don't think that's uh, really very good, especially S7, which is a very strong policy and which we use very often. So I just wanted to make that point. And also, because I can't remember, was this in the local plan, this site, last time? 
it was, wasn't it? I seem to remember that it was. Right, okay, well then I'll have to... Um, I'll have to quote the MPPF, which says planning law requires that applications for planning permission must be determined in accordance with the development plan, unless material considerations indicate otherwise. Uh, and I have actually agonised over this application, um, and I've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb time and time again, and I really, honestly, can't find a reason to refuse it. And I think that 40% um, of affordable homes is what this district needs very badly, and I don't think my conscience would rest easy if I were to throw that away. So I would recommend approval. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Lachlan, was that a proposal you made then, or are you want to hold back on that for a while? I'll hold on back on yeah, because other thought, people might want to speak. I thought yeah, that was the you. case, thank you. Um, my question uh, to Mr Brown and Mrs Oliver would be, um, we've had conflicting, directly conflicting evidence on the validity of the outline planning application. Sorry, yeah. Chair, I, d I wasn't answered on the five-year land supply. Oh, sorry. Yep. I do beg your pardon. Oh, that's yes, okay. <laughs> Mr. Brown, thank you. Um, on the five-year land supply, we have a five. But what the, the speaker from, Blue, uh, from um, Boyer was correct. We have a 5.1-year land, land supply for which this site is part of that. So, therefore, by not, we have an we have an obligation to maintain a five-year land supply because obviously it's a rolling target and maintaining that land supply is obviously to respect the ones we've already got permissions for. And so by, by not allowing this site to come forward, we actually are immediately not achieving a five-year land supply because, you know, as you heard from the speaker, we're about 50, 54, something like that short, and this is 99. Um, so we're actually allowing that amount to go. So we would not be having a five-year land supply if this, would, if this was... A, but on the outline issue, sorry, I'm, I'm breaking a little bit here. On the outline issue, um, under the planning, and Christine will correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously the outline permission is relevant here. The Planning and Compulsory Purchase Order Act 2004 brought in something different, which was, um, it actually says, it brought in a subset, this is on time limits. It brought in subsection 3B applies if any proceedings have begun to challenge the facility or grant of a planning permission or of a deemed grant of planning permission, which we'll all agree happened here. And, um, and 3B states, the period before the end of which the development to which the planning permission relates is required to begin in pursuance of subsection 1 or 3 must be by extended by one year. So if any case is challenged, whatever the outcome of, this is a challenge that's gone on for a number of years, but whatever the outcome, if, if, if a particular case is challenged, immediately there is a year added on to the time limit. Is that, is that right, Christine, what I've just said? That is correct. And obviously, on your local plan question, um, probably outdated is probably the wrong way of putting it. Our local plan is generally compliant with the MPPF in terms of development management policies, in terms of relevance of S7, etc. But one thing of which it is certainly not compliant on is in terms of its development limits. The development limits are out of date, and the allocations. Well, there, you know, a lot of those allocations have been taken up. So on those broad, big figure stuff it is not compliant, so it is out of date and not MPPF compliant. So it is in terms of development management policies, but not in terms of what we've allocated in terms of development limits. Any other uh, questions? Of, uh, yes, Councillor Lodge. Yes, sorry, I, I'm desperately trying to, try, trying to refine it on the plans, but uh, I, it was my impression that it was outside of the area for development in the 2005 plan, but 
you I seem to be contradicted on that. You are saying it's definitively inside, is no, it? No, no, no. What I'm saying is it was outside. It wasn't in, it's outside the development limits as far as the 2005. Okay, fine. Yes, yeah, sorry. I, I'm, I got... Yeah. One thing I should pick up from, from what Councillor Lachlan said, it was allocated within the emerging local plan, which was found unsound just before Christmas, but that had no very little weight at the time anyway. So, so it, was, it was allocated in the draft local plan that was found unsound in December, that's an irrelevance because it has, it has no weight now. It had very little weight when we considered this in May, but it wasn't allocated in 2005. But as I just said, the limits and the allocations are out of date. That's one of those things that's a problem. Right. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I voted in favour of this um, development the first time it came up, um, which is now some long while ago. Um, and I haven't changed my opinion. I, in my view, the, uh, the new line of the new A120 has set a southern limit for development for Dunmo and land between Dunmo Town and the um, A120, I think, is a, a natural area for development for the town and um, for this reason. And also, uh, it is, has, has been brought up already part of the, um, uh, um, the land supply allocation which um, Uttlesford is required to provide and uh, it has been treated as such and is part of it and would leave us uh, woefully short if we were not to go ahead with it now. So um, I would like to propose that we do accept this application and give it approval. Does that find a seconder? Uh, seconded by Councillor Lachlan. Does any other councillor wish to speak to that proposal? Councillor Lodge. I'd like to speak against it. I don't know whether it's the appropriate moment. Well, to it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, fine. Thank you. Yes. Um, this is, this is a, a very difficult situation, and, and along with Councillor Lachlan, I've uh, struggled to understand all the ramifications, or particularly the, the legal ramifications of it. Um, and I think what we should be doing now is considering this application as it is. We are looking at an application for 99 houses. We're not looking for uh, any, um, any deliberation on the 100 houses which permission which may or may not be extant. So uh, I think that's an important thing to start with. Um, and just to say something about the legal advice which we, we get at, at this meeting, I think we've seen a number of instances recently where it's shown to be um, of, of somewhat dubious at, at times, and so I'm personally not 100% convinced that the advice that we've got is. However, that is not relevant, because should this be turned down, um, presumably the, the, uh, the developer will, will go back and there will be consideration of the first application and the legal situation there. So, coming on to this application itself, we have an application which is in, which is in the countryside, uh, so it contravenes S7, uh, and particularly, as has been concerned, we do have uh, a five-year uh, housing land supply. Um, and because particularly if you're saying, if you accept the legal position as we've been given, 
the 100 houses are still in there. So that, that there is no way that this can be spun to say that we have no housing land, we don't have the adequate housing, uh, hand, uh, housing supply. So, um, as it's not in the adapted plan, as it is against policy S7 in the countryside, as it's against S1 in the uh, outside of development limits, um, we have a very, very good case for turning this down at, at this moment, and I will be voting against the proposal. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Any other councillors wish to make a comment? Okay, then I think, oh, Councillor Fairhurst, sorry. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, just to add to what Councillor Lodge said, um, my only comment was raised now was the question of the MPPF and uh, the consideration that we should have for the, the, to involve the community in our planning decisions. Um, and it strikes me that, uh, I'm not sure how this is done, if, if everyone, if the, if the town council and the people are, are vehemently against it, how do we continue the planning situation in those contexts? If everyone's against it, how is that consultation conducted? Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Uh, that wasn't a question to an officer, I don't believe, so it doesn't need a response. Um, okay, we're going to go to the vote on this application then, and the proposal has been made. Uh, I think we'll have a recorded vote, please. So, members, when your name is called out, you're voting either for this application for 99 houses or against. And uh, please make sure your microphone is switched on. Thank you. Against. Councillor Fairhurst. Against. Uh, Councillor Hicks. For. Councillor Lodge. Against. Councillor Lochran. For. Councillor Ranger. For. Councillor Mills. For. Four for the application and three against. Uh, the application for a consent is approved then. Thank you. Uh, the next item the next item on our agenda is item four point two, which is application fifteen stroke one six one five. It's uh, details, details following uh, outline approval, and it's at Little Dunmo, and Mrs Denmark is going to take us through this application. Thank you. Okay, this is an application in Little Dunmo, and it's the site of the former Dunmo Skips business um, to the west, uh, no, hang on, north. To the south here is um, the Flitch Way, and then you have um, the uh, county-owned uh, Gypsy site over here, and um, and then further down here we have uh, uh, Flitch Green. I keep getting my developments muddled up. This is an application uh, reserves matters application for 40 dwellings. Um, outline planning permission haven't been granted um, following an application in 2013. Um, the pre a previous scheme was refused on the basis that um, some of the garden sizes were inadequate, there was insufficient 
um, visitors parking and uh, lack of open space and um, and lack of um, ba uh, buffer to the Blitch Way. This site, um, is, so this application's come in and it's been revised. Um, and since the production of my report, we've had a further layout um, sent in, which now confirms that all of the garden sizes do meet the requirement um, as set out in the Essex Design Guide. There is now sufficient visitors' parking um, provision within the site, and um, and all the, the properties have the parking requirement that they um, need for the sizes of the properties. And um, the landscaping scheme has also been updated um, because the previous landscaping scheme showed in, um, more urban style uh, landscaping rather than the rural landscaping that we would require for this site. Um, the issues that haven't been addressed are the issues of open space and the issue of the buffer to the um, uh, way. Now, this is an outline. This site does have an outline consent, as I've already said. And one of the conditions on the outline consent was that the development must meet the standards set out in the Essex Design Guide and the um, approved, uh, the adopted parking standards. The section 106 relating to the development um, also didn't stipulate a size of open space, and um, and it was uh, vaguely sort of described as those bits which are not part of the gardens. Um, and so we do have some bits of open space within developments like here, a little bit here. So there are some bits, they're not um, that useful. But the, um, the development is in accordance with the outline consent that we have previously granted. And this section of the Flitch Way is actually a modern section of the Flitch Way. It's not the historic um, part, which was the former railway line, that hadn't been used to develop the um, county gypsy site. So, on balance, um, we feel that the um, measures that the applicant's taken to um, address the previous reason for refusal are, are sufficient that, you know, we, uh, we don't feel that a refusal can be substantiated. Um, the house types are mainly two-storey. Um, we've got some which will have render frontages or will be render plots, which are these ones here, and some boarding here. And uh, this gives you an indication of the house types and uh, what the street scenes will look like. And um, it's recommended that the application be approved. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Um, we have just one speaker on this, and that's the applicant's agent, Daniel Ratson. Do you have three minutes, Mr. Ratson? Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair and members, and thank you for the opportunity to address the committee. My name is Daniel Ratson, and I work for Persimmon Homes. As you're aware, the site was granted outline planning permission for 40 homes by the Council's Planning Committee in October 2014. The redevelopment of this brownfield site was well received. The visual improvement of the site and the ability to deliver new affordable and market homes were seen as very positive factors. Since outline planning permission was granted, the waste transfer station has been relocated to Chelmsford. 
significant investment has been made in clearing and decontaminating the site to enable the development. There are a number of requirements that were set out in the outline permission which must be adhered to in this reserve matters application. These are the provision of 40 homes, 11 of which are affordable, each with private gardens and allocated parking in accordance with adopted standards. Access is to remain from Station Road having been identified as suitable and safe. The Section 106 agreement secured the affordable homes, maintenance of public open space and funding towards education provision in the district. Having already established the principle of 40 houses on this site, the application before you seeks your agreement to reserve matters. This is only concerned with the design and layout of the approved new homes. Having carefully reviewed the comments and concerns raised by members in April, we have worked through the offices and amended the proposals. Within the amended scheme, all garden sizes meet or exceed the Essex Design Guide and Council standards. Additional visitor parking has been provided and the proposal fully complies with Council policy. Additional landscaping is proposed, including planting along the site's frontage with Station Road and additional planting within the site. The officer's report recognises the amendments that have been made to the scheme. It also concludes that the proposal is compliant with the outline permission and relevant development plan policies. The proposal before members adheres to the requirements of the outline plan permission. It is fully compliant with both the national and local policy. The development will deliver family housing, a bungalow, affordable homes for local people. The new homes are of a suitable scale and have been sensitively designed to the local surroundings. The proposal provides and enhances landscaping and the proposal makes efficient use of what is at present a vacant brownfield site. We have actively sought to respond to your previous comments and concerns and we have done everything within our power to present an improved scheme. The principle for, the principle for residential development is already established and the site has been cleared and all that is left to do is approve the details so that we can begin delivering these new homes. Local residents and politicians often tell us that they prefer to see new homes built on brownfield land. This application is therefore an ideal opportunity to demonstrate to local people that brownfield sites are put to good use in helping to address the district's recognised housing need and affordability crisis. This application has been recommended for approval by officers and we respectfully ask members to resolve to approve this application to enable us to make positive use of this brownfield site to deliver much needed new homes. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr Ratson. Okay, members. Members, any questions of the officers? Councillor Lodge. I'm, I'm presuming that the, um, the allocation of affordable homes was in the outline application. The outline application was just purely an outline application and we secured um, by section 106 40% affordable housing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was sorry. Just to correct, it, we secured affordable housing but there was a viability taking place because of the site, what needed to be done. And we actually secured less than 40%, but there was an appropriate viability assessment carried out. I think, we've more, I think we're more like 25%, but that was as part of the, the viability that was carried out on the site. So it's not 40%. Sorry, sorry, sorry to talk over you. Yes, yeah, so sorry coming into late, late into this as a, as a new member. I didn't see the viability statement. So um, was that part of the outline? It, was, so we, it would we, have been part of the submission, yeah, in terms of the outline permit. There's quite a, what happens is the, if an applicant claims that they cannot provide the 40% affordable housing for financial reasons or for whatever reasons, for site constraints, they have to put in a viability assessment and that viability is validated by, at their expense by an independent validator and that was carried out. So we've gone through that process. We've gone through that process. That's yeah. gone. So, yeah. Okay, fine. Thank you. I presume that was probably the case. The other thing then was we, we failed to get the open spaces. I wondered why. 
the application was an outline for a specific number of um, dwellings and the each plot has like I said there was a condition requiring them to meet all the garden sizes and the parking requirements once you've met all of that there wasn't a lot of room left for open space to balance it has to be taken any other comments uh, councillors uh, councillor Mills um, yes could you tell us where the allocated um, affordable housing is In other words, have, yeah, have we split this up? <laughs> have we split them up or have we put them all together? No, they're, they're in this area here. Okay, so in this instance we've grouped them? Yes. Right. I thought that was uh, contrary to what we normally do. We normally say groups of 10. There is 11 to be provided on the site and they have been provided as one group. Okay. Councillor Lachlan? <laughs> I agree with Councillor Mills. Why can't we distribute them throughout the site, say two or three together? Why do we have to have them all bunched together? Is there any reason why we can't change that and make it better, or in what we would consider better? might not agree with you, but... Uh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not into defending developers, but it, it tends to be the management by the, by the provider, the housing provider, um, to have what you're describing there of two and three plot, plot, pop, all around the scheme is pepper potting in terms of providing, which is the absolute perfect scenario from, from, from a social viewpoint in terms of having affordable housing completely engulfed amongst all the developments. Unfortunately, from a housing provider's viewpoint, that's an absolute, it's a very, very difficult thing to manage in terms of, you know, you need to manage those particular properties. That's why we have a a general rule of thumb into what well, it is a policy of, of actually 10 when you're dealing with a number like 11 that causes does cause a problem because you could have a, you could technically have 10 and are you actually going to insist that that one is sped off you could have had five and six that's one of the example because they actually provided one more than 10 in terms of the cluster that is considered on balance to be acceptable and reasonable in terms of it both from the developers viewpoint and from the housing providers viewpoint Well, we might not consider that to be good. That is um, aesthetics, if you like. I actually don't think that is good development, but I wouldn't say that you were wrong and I was right, but that's the feeling I have, and I think others do too. Any other comments from councillors? Okay, we have um, some conditions attached to this one. Um, and I'm assuming that major conditions were attached to the outline planning consent in terms of time uh, for the development to commence. I oh, know. Right. But is that that's the case? They Thank were. Thank you very yes. much. Right, we've already done that. Can we go on the faces? Right. Okay. We have a recommendation before us uh, that uh, this application could be approved. Does that find a proposer? Councillor Hicks? Yes, I think um, I will uh, support the proposal that we should uh, and planners to come up with an appropriate design before you today. For example, 
the layout corresponded with the existing built environment, the scale of the building, mirror the existing built environment, and in terms of the appearance of the building, the designers taking approach with the existing built environment and condition which have been used to condition all the facing materials. Finally, the landscaping approach has been considered appropriate, which will help to enhance the, exist, uh, the proposed development, and on balance, the scheme before you is considered for approval, subject to the condition in the report. Thank you. Thank you, Emmanuel. We have one speaker for this application, and that is the applicant's agent, Adam Holford. And you have three minutes, Mr. Holford. Good afternoon, councillors. My name is Adam Halford. I'm a planning consultant at Bidwells, representing the Applicant Enterprise Property Group. Thank you for this opportunity to address the committee. In February 2014, the Planning Committee resolved to approve an outline consent for, for development at Radwinter for 35 homes, including access details off of Walden Road. In so doing, members were vocal in their praise of Radwinter Parish Council and the applicants of the collaborative approach taken in bringing forward the scheme. Before you today is an application for approval of those matters that were reserved, namely the layout, scale and appearance. Enterprise Property Group have sought again to closely engage with the community, undertaking a series of meetings with parish councillors and two days of consultation and exhibition with residents. We have also engaged actively with officers over three meetings through the council's pre-application process and the design has evolved to address comments received. It is important to note that the outline consent also included agreement of the section 106 stipulating precisely the matters relating to contributions in respect of finance, land and affordable housing. This application for reserve matters is fully compliant with both the outline approval and its section 106 agreement. Enterprise Property Group pride themselves on providing bespoke schemes for specific locations and it is this approach that they, their architects Snell, David and team have taken at Radwinter, seeking res to respond to the fine architectural styles in the core of the village, including those of 19th century architect Nesfield, to create a scheme that will have a strong and lasting Radwinter identity, thus avoiding a standard mass housing produced estate. Enterprise and their Ashton-based lead architect for these houses have additional cause to desire the scheme to be heralded a success, being residents of Uttlesford within a few miles of Radwinter. Just two objections have been received. These refer to the number of new homes and the new access road. These were matters approved at the outline stage. A third residence concern regarding overlooking has been addressed, with the adjacent proposed house a single-storey bungalow to prevent any loss of privacy. This very limited number of comments is perhaps a reflection of a continued proactive and inclusive approach by all, acknowledged by the voice of the village, in their own words, the Parish Council wholeheartedly support the application. I therefore reiterate the officer's recommendation for approval, which concludes that the development is in accordance with the Council's policies and will help to meet private and affordable housing needs in the village and district. I would ask that members consider that by approving these proposals today, they will bring about the realisation of the parish plan and the aims of the parish council to provide controlled and sustainable growth for the village. We therefore request that members once again recognise the efforts undertaken by all parties, including their officers, to work closely together on this important project for Radwinter 
by approving this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Halford. Perfectly timed. Members, any questions of officers on this application? No. Uh, from oh, yes, Councillor Davy. I'd like to propose uh, the recommendation. Does that find a seconder? Sorry, I didn't have oh, uh, I wish to propose the recommendation. And that has been seconded by Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. Um, at the briefing we had on Monday, I looked at the conditions and I made a note. <laughs> Two plus signs. <laughs> Can't remember what they were. We were talking about something pertinent to this site that we ought to put in the conditions. We're not taking out any trees. Was it trees? No. Unless it was referring back to, to the outline permissions, because obviously the, the bulk ah, of the yes. conditions. Yes, that's what it was. Because that was the comment I made before. So members yeah, may that's see correct. that's quite thin in terms of controls that we've got in terms of conditions, but there are the bulk of the conditions would have been put on the outline planning permissions. That's, and I think in future we're going to try to bring those outline conditions for you, so you know what you, what's been approved beforehand. Right, thank you. Um, on that basis, we'll go to the vote. It's been proposed and seconded for approval. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Thank you. That matter is approved. <coughs> Councillor Lachlan, do you wish to have a break? We're going to have a five-minute uh, comfort break, ladies and gentlemen. Bear with us. Thank you. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, dear, that does sound loud. Is that too loud? I've had my microphone adjusted. I'm just going to turn it down a tad, I think. Anyway, please let me know if, if it's deafening you out there. It's bouncing back here. Right, our next application is 4.4 uh, on the agenda, 15 stroke 1046. It's a full application at Little Hallingbury. Uh, for 16 uh, social houses on the rural exception site and uh, Mr Luke Mills is going to take us through the application. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, first off, I just need to give you a couple of updates. Um, firstly, the report, um, in the recommendation in my report, it refers to the monitoring fee in the section 106. It specifies that the monitoring fee would be for the maintenance of the surface water drainage system. Um, but it would in fact be a monitoring fee for the Section 106 legal agreement as a whole. just needed to clarify that. Also, Condition 10, which requires that the public right-of-way is maintained free and unobstructed, um, technically not a necessary condition, uh, as it's not appropriate to put that on as a condition. Um, so what we could do is just put that on as a note on the decision notice. But the update is just that that condition would be removed from the, the list of recommended conditions. Okay, so the application site um, is located off Dell Lane, adjacent to the village of Little Hallingbury, and on land designated as Greenbelt. The proposal is for 16 affordable housing units in accordance with the rural exception policy in the local plan. Greenbelt policy is permissive of such development. The existing field access would be altered to provide vehicular access into the site and a new field access would be formed in the southwest corner. The public right-of-way along the western boundary would be retained and a new footpath extending to the eastern boundary would provide access to Latchmore Bank and its bus stops. An area of public open space would be formed in the southwest corner of the site. A group of trees on the northern boundary is protected by a tree preservation order these would be retained and protected during, during construction. Residents and visitors parking would be provided in accordance with the council standards. Private gardens would generally meet the desired standards, while four of the one-bed properties would exceed the minimum standard for unextendable houses. I'll just cycle through a few of the visualisations so you can get a feel for the design of the development. So that's an aerial view from the south looking towards the north. To the south, and then these within the street scene. Key consultation responses include the Highway Authority, Essex County Council, which raises no objections subject to conditions. Also, the lead local flood authority, also Essex County Council, is satisfied that an appropriate sustainable drainage system would be provided. The application is recommended for approval, subject to a legal agreement to secure the affordable tenure of the houses and to ensure that the sustainable drainage system would be suitably maintained. The recommended conditions cover issues such as external finishes, landscaping, biodiversity enhancement, sound, ins sound insulation in respect of aircraft, 
and the construction of the vehicular access. Thank you, Mr. Bills. Sorry, miles away there. Uh, right, we have some speakers uh, to this application, and our first speaker noted is Nigel Bennett. You have three minutes, Mr. Bennett. Thank you. Thank you, Speaker. Good afternoon. I live on the corner of Dell Lane, opposite the access to the proposed development and have done for 22 years. I strongly object to this plan application for affordable housing for several reasons. Throughout the site selection process, has to have inadequately assessed the other sites available in the village. The parish council subcommittee that is consulted on it did not even bother consulting other councillors on the parish council until, is in their words, a done deal. Villagers have been misled. The statistics from the initial survey to justify the need for affordable housing are flawed. This is shown on your website by a highly qualified statistician. We were told the houses could never be sold. However, the right to buy issues are now in debate in the Parliament for housing, association housing stock. In Little Hanbury, there are no shops, very few services, a one-hour bus to Bishop Storford, and a heavily over-prescribed primary school. There are no job opportunities. This site has no is not economically sustainable development for this village. In 1999, there was an application made for low-cost housing on the same site. This application was rejected for many reasons. One of these reasons was the access to the site, which is in the same place as this access I state. In 1999, it was strongly stated that the access from Del Lane to the proposed site would interfere with traffic highway service safety. In 15 years, the traffic on Del Lane has increased but it does not, that, that, that has not been taken into consideration in this application. The increase in traffic is partly due to the use of sat navig satellite navigation systems, which direct traffic from Sawbridgeworth to the M11 junction of Bishop via Dell Lane. This includes articulated trucks. On the council website, the last document in front of you shows three pictures I've recently taken. One shows my son's car on the blind bend in Dell Lane attempting to turn right to where the new development is. The second one shows that he's positioned his car so he can see the oncoming traffic. And the third is a picture I took from less than 30 metres behind him where you cannot see his car on the blind bend. All vehicle access standards used by highway engineers and developers state there should be a clear line of sight between the stationary car turning right into the development and the next oncoming car travelling in the same direction. And this distance should be at least 60 metres. Be under no delusion, this is a very dangerous corner. At least once a year I have been involved in helping people who have had accidents on this corner. I ask the council to carefully consider the points I've raised and all the points raised by objecting letters on your website. <coughs> This process should start again and be carried out openly with all the dangers considered. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Bennett. Our next speaker is Ian Woods. Do you two have three minutes? Mr. Woods, thank you. Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, the Government's National Planning Policy Framework states that in paragraph 87, as with previous Greenbelt policy, inappropriate development is, by definition, harmful to the Greenbelt 
and should not be approved except in very special circumstances. The applicants have submitted the result of a survey carried out in February 2012, over three years ago, which has not been updated since then, but it should be, as the amount of local residents who took part believing they were eligible for housing of this nature would have reduced significantly, especially after recent changes in government housing regulations. This document therefore now does not demonstrate a local need that should justify destroying land of such high amenity value and does not give any examples of very special circumstances. Alternative site locations. On page two of their design and access statement, the agents state that a number of sites were identified following a site finding exercise. It is understood that over 10 potential sites were investigated and following private discussions with the parish council and officers from the local planning authority, the agents state that this was reduced to one and that the landowner of the proposed site was persuaded to allow the current scheme to go forward. This is in fact not the case. In a letter from Hasto dated 23 July 2015, it clearly states that they, Hasto, were approached by a land agent with a site off Dale Lane, which in consultation with the parish council was chosen as their preferred site. By coincidence, this landowner who appointed the land agent also sits on the parish council. I would suggest the landowner did not take too much persuading. As, this, as is evident from the various submissions, this application must raise questions in relation to a conflict of interest, and as a consequence, this application cannot be approved. Uxford Local Policy Gen 2 relates to design and states that in relation to development, it would not have a materially adverse effect on the reasonable occupation and enjoyment of a residential property as a result of loss of privacy, loss of daylight, overbearing impact or overshadowing. This proposed site results in a loss of privacy and overbearing and overshadowing of eight George Green villas. Several of the proposed buildings contravene the Essex Design Guide with their location in relation to eight George Green Villas and there has been no reference in the officer's report to the revised plans re-proximity or indeed the plans to tear down an existing hedgerow which is over 100 feet long and replace it with a six foot wooden panel fence along the entire border with eight George Green Villas. In summary, there is no need to destroy this area of Greenbelt land when there are options which have not been presented or indeed investigated thoroughly. Insufficient evidence has been produced to amount to very special circumstances in support of new development on land of such high amenity value. As a resident immediately impacted by this building proposal, I would implore the committee to reject this application and consider alternative options on brownfield or at least less impactful sites. Nothing has changed since this was last rejected in 2000. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Woods. And our next speaker is John Cowper. And you have three minutes, Mr. Cowper. Good afternoon. My name is John Cowper, and I live in a property adjacent to the proposed development site. I'd like to state that I fully recognise the necessity to correct new homes, particularly affordable ones. However, that notwithstanding, I would like to relate my concerns fundamentally around the transparency of the process. From the outset, I've been concerned how the site, above all others, has been chosen. The degree of investment by Hasto was apparent at the open session in December 2014. Recent correspondence from Hasto and the Parish Council have finally unearthed this. Ten sites were originally considered. Of these, three sites were chosen for further evaluation. Two in Grenstead Lane and one opposite the George Pub on the main road from Hatfield Heath to Bishop Saltford. None of these is the site being proposed. At some point in the proceedings, I believe a land agent, we believe working for Rex Marsh, the landowner, approached Hasto with the offer of the site in question. At that point, this became the only site in consideration. 
I don't believe this has ever been formally approved by the Parish Council and therefore just seems a lottery rather than any more formal process. My main concern here is that once this approval is granted, that leaves an open door to Rex Marsh to continue his ambition to build on the remainder of the stand as he has previously made planning uh, applications to do so. There is also ambiguity as to the stories emanating from the Parish Council and the Hasto, and that the Parish Council assert that Hasto persuaded Mr Marsh to release the land, whereas the communications from Hasto clearly state that they were approached by a land agent. I can supply details on this if required. I'd also like to note that Mr Rex Marsh is one of the Parish Councillors for, uh, for Little Hallingbury. In terms of material objections, I'm very concerned about the position of the access of the entry into the site as it sits on an already very dangerous blind corner. That wasn't very clear from the slides that you put up. <coughs> Dell Lane is a rat run and cars coming up from Spellbrook uh, delayed by the railway crossing frequently exceed the speed limit. Um, cars, vans and lorries come into the corner too fast which results in the vehicles not being able to hold the corner and consequently swerve out into the oncoming traffic from the other direction. Adding another junction to this will only exacerbate the situation. There seems to be an assumption that the Department of Roads has approved this junction, but this is not the case, and I sim and simply an acceptance that if the junction meets the criteria, it is okay to proceed. I would assert that this is patently not the case. There are several criteria upon which the proposition is based. One of these is sustainability. In terms of jobs locally, they don't exist. The only areas which provide sustainable jobs are Bishop Stortford and to a lesser degree Sawbridge and Hatfield Heath. From a sustainability perspective, the site, in this sense, will be better placed in Grinstead Lane with at least the, 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 for at least the potential for access to Solbridgeworth. The local school is oversubscribed. There is no shop other than a part-time post office, and the public transport only runs hourly between Hatfield Heath and Bishop Stortford. This does not uh, start early enough to get people into London for 8am, which means that the proposed residents would have to have their own vehicles. In my view, this does not meet the sustainability criteria. Beyond my material objections, my main concern is the transparency of the process. I feel that throughout this process we have been intentionally kept in the dark and that decisions have been made that are not properly documented or even documented at all. This is a serious change to the landscape and one that should be able to support any level of scrutiny. I do not feel that the benchmark has been achieved and subsequently commend the committee to reject this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cowper. The next speaker is from the Parish, Coun <coughs> excuse me, Parish Council and it's Frida Townsend. You have three minutes, Mrs Townsend. Thank you. I just have a short addition to the notes already submitted by the Parish Council on this application. Since the right to buy came into force for council tenants, the number of available council houses was much reduced as no replacement rental properties were built. This left a need for lower-priced houses for first-time buyers or lower rents, often only found by moving many miles away. The affordable housing schemes in Uttlesford are readdressing this need by providing properties to rent or part buy for local people. Having proved the need for affordable housing in Little Hallenbury, the Parish Council were pleased to work with the Rural Community Council of Essex and Hasto Housing Association in order to provide housing for people who want to remain part of the village they know. We see this as a positive step in keeping our community together. And for these reasons, the Parish Council is in full support of this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Townsend. And our final speaker is the applicant's agent, or the applicant, Ulrika Maracarilliello. 
Thank you very much. Members of the Planning Committee, Mr. Chairman, my name is Ulrike Macariello from Hastor Housing Association. Little Hallingbury Parish Council invited Hastor Housing, Associ Housing Association into their parish in December 2013 following a housing needs survey carried out by the Rural Housing Enabler of Essex. The proposed development of 16 affordable dwellings has undergone extensive pre-application consultation. It will provide a well-balanced mix of accommodation which will be available for affordable rent and shared ownership to meet the identified local need. Public consultation has been carried out with initial discussions with the Parish Council Housing Subgroup on the site selection and then a public consultation drop-in event in December 2014 with a further update at the Parish Annual General Meeting in March 2015. The scheme now presented has been designed as far as possible to take into account comments we received during the consultation period and utilises the existing farm access to ensure the feature hedge to Latchmore Bank is retained. However, a new pedestrian link to the main road has been incorporated to ensure easy access to existing amenities. The scheme is designed to lifetime home standard and even though there are no longer specific sustainability standards required over and above building regulations level, HASTO continues to champion sustainable development and we are proposing to deliver the scheme to AECB silver standard. This standard requires homes to be constructed to have a very low energy requirement and is generally achieved through very high levels of insulation and air tightness with controlled mechanical ventilation with heat recovery systems to reduce the occupier's reliance on energy resources. The materials for the proposed developments are a combination of red brick and white render walls with grey tiled roofs to reflect the, to reflect the general colouring of traditional houses in the vicinity. Similarly, tiled canopies with some timber boarding add definition to the scheme. In summary, the proposed development will provide low-cost homes for local people in a sustainable location within a high-quality and sympathetic development in accordance with local, regional and national planning policy. It is, it is hoped that your support today will help ensure this scheme can be successfully delivered. Thank you. Members, any questions of officers? Councillor Lachlan? Um, well, no, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't have any questions. I was just delighted to see that uh, there were 16 houses not for profit. Um, and we all know that Hasto Housing is a well-respected and honourable uh, housing association. And uh, we actually visited uh, some of their houses when we went on our planning tour. And I think to a man we were all impressed. Uh, so, I mean, I'd be happy to recommend... Uh, to, what's the word? Go for the recommendation. That's a proposal to recommend. <laughs> That's to the word. The officer's proposed. recommendation. Fine. Mm. Thank you. Does that find a second? Okay. Councillor Hicks, do you wish um, to second that? Yes, Chairman, I'll second that happily. Do you wish to speak at this time? Uh, no, I, I think my um, the only comments I would make were very similar to Councillor Lachlan's about haste of housing association and the. Uh, um, good work they seem to be doing in Uttlesford at the moment and I think we should help them along. Thank you. Any other comments? Uh, Councillor Lodge. Yes, I, uh, I very much like the look of this application and we had a, a good visit there this morning. There was just one thing that came up and that was the, um, 
the hedge to the uh, northeastern boundary, which um, I, I, I know that uh, it possibly can be dealt with later, but just re-looking at the plan, it might mean that the, um, the houses to the left of the entrance will be coming, their gardens would be really squeezed if that bit was cut off. So uh, really it was just a bit of an open question as to how we actually deal with that. Maybe that's to the officers. I've been thinking about this one, and I think, I think because on the submitted plans it doesn't show the hedge to be retained, does it? Um, which is not necessarily a problem, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go, but to clarify matters, I suggest I'm trying to find the right bit on the, uh, on, no, it's not, uh, there was no sub-reference. On the suggested conditions, um, if you look at condition uh, three, which says prior to the commencement of the development details of hard and soft landscaping, could I suggest that we just change that condition slightly to say notwithstanding the submitted plans because I mean I know Hasbro wouldn't do this but um, you, if we have an argument later on to say oh that, well we said on the original plans that the hedge was going to go and now you're saying it needs to be kept if we say notwithstanding submitted plans prior to the commencement development details of hard and soft landscaping including planting hard sand burn treatment and external land and retained hedges can I suggest we put in there as well retained hedges and that sh would cover it the applicants are here and yes. so, they, so they've actually heard the, you know, the, the, the angst that there may be about that particular hedge. And so yeah. I think that should cover it. Actually, that is strengthened by Condition 4. No development shall take place until the biodiversity management plan has been submitted and approved in writing, which must, include, must be in line with the recommendations, and it should focus on protecting and enhancing the boundary hedgerows. Uh, so in, as it goes on specifically mentioning the southern boundary, but... I mean, it does say the boundary hedgerows. Yeah. So I think, um, okay, yeah, we, 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 we should take uh, comfort from that. Uh, Councillor Hicks, you wish to come back on something? Uh, only to, um, if you need a formal proposal for the suggestions made by Mr Brown, then I'm willing to um, uh, um, put my name to those proposals and propose it accordingly. Thank you. We'll bear that in mind as we, as we go on. Um, there was a question also about the, the footpath that runs along that hedge and the legality of that in terms of, although it's not a signposted footpath, it, is, it has had some use over a number of years. So uh, what the status is of that footpath? Has that been sorted? Um, okay, I can firstly confirm slightly not directly answering that, but related to it, I can confirm that the only public footpath adjacent to the site is the one on the western boundary that you saw on site. Um, and then that, oh, whoops. if you can see the cursor on the screen here, it, it goes down south of the site as well and then meets up with some other public footpaths that go off to the east and west and then further south as well. And the area that you're talking about around this part of the field, uh, there's no public footpath there. Um, as to the ownership and rights of access, that's not information that we necessarily have or indeed is relevant to the consideration of this application. If there were to be issues with the implementation of the scheme before you, because there are certain rights of access that the developer then needs to respect in developing it, then any sort of amendment to the scheme would have to be again put before us and we would have to consider the merits of the application. So if it were to affect the layout of the, the housing, we would have to consider whether that was acceptable. So we would have that opportunity if that arose. 
fine. I, I, I think I understand that in as much that it's not of our immediate concern in terms of whether we approve the application or not. But um, if we're airing possibilities, then one possibility would be to uh, leave the footpath in place and uh, if it's a metre wide, then there's a metre comes off the garden and the fence goes in. Um, that might mean an adjustment to the position of the houses. That is a view. That is something that the applicant would have to uh, bear in mind and adjust his plans accordingly if there is a legal consideration later on. Fine. Okay. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Uh, Chairman, could we ask our legal adviser whether um, public usage of a part of the land in this way along the edge of the field over a period of years... Um, it's been suggested as much as 20 years would create a situation where that uh, could be sustained, for the, should be sustained for the future, or even could be sustained for the future. Uh, acquired rights, public rights of way, are quite a difficult area of law, and uh, it does require long use, and there are many caveats which... Um, prevent it being turned into a public right of way but these are uh, civil rights which are not valid considerations when considering a planning application and if I may draw attention to uh, condition 6 prior to commencement details of the access onto Dell Lane and the footpath onto Latchmore Bank as shown on a revised law, it must be submitted and approved in writing by the planning authority. Um, I would have thought that falls within section 278 of the uh, Highways Act. So there would be uh, great analysis of that going on if it hasn't already happened. Um, and I think the, the final configuration of that access would help to resolve any issue there is about a stationary vehicle waiting to turn right coming from the left hand side um, not being seen by approaching vehicles from behind we did look at that today we actually went out into the road and one of our colleagues Mr Mills volunteered to stand in place of the car um, it, it did not seem too much of an issue um, although I, I obviously take note that there has been local um, evidence to maybe uh, disprove that at times um, but I'm sure that Essex Highways would not allow it to go through if it's in strict contravention of something as, as basic as that so I'm, I'm heartened by that uh, Any other comments from members? Now we'll go to the vote then on this one we've had a proposal and a seconder for accepting this application so all those in favour please show Unanimous Thank you. That matter is approved. Thank you. The next item on our agenda is item 4.5, uh, application 15 stroke 0362, a full application at Elsnam, and Mrs Denmark is going to take us through. <coughs> oh, excuse me. This is a, a site on Old Mead Road in Elsnam. It's adjacent to the railway line and um, planning permission has previously been granted on appeal for 10 houses on this site down here um, to the south. 
There's some photos of the site. So this is Old Mead Road, um, and this is near the entrance of the site. Um, site behind the fence. Um, this is within the site. Um, the property next door. Um, there is a footpath going along the site, uh, the boundary of the site, which actually crosses over the railway line. Um, and uh, there you can also see the site next door and the one of the entrances to that site and it's an aerial view of the two sites together. That's next door, opposite, frontage. Um, the original scheme came in with um, access to be taken through the adjoining site, um, which would, affected, would have affected the car park and layout for that scheme. So we've now got a scheme where they're going to use their existing access into the site. And um, the proposal is for um, two-bedroom properties. All the garden sizes and the parking requirements are in accordance with the adopted standards, except for the fact that this site does not have any uh, visitor parking. Um, the design of the proposed dwellings are similar to those which have been approved on the adjoining site, and this shows the adjoining site, um, which is these properties here, um, and then you've got the new <coughs> development here. Uh, more details of the dwellings, what they look like. So you've got a block of four and a block of two. Um, and the recommendation is that the application be approved. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Any questions of the Office of Members? Any observations? We have a recommendation for approval. Does that find us proposer? Well, I'll propose it from the Chair, and that's seconded by Councillor Mills. Um, we'll go straight to the vote then, if nobody's anything to say. So all those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Good, that matter is approved. Thank you. And our next application is item 4.6, which is 15 stroke 1201, a full application at Takeley. And again, it's Mrs. Denmark to take us through. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this is an application in Molehill Green in um, Takeley. Members went to the site this morning. Um, so you went up the access track here and you saw this site here and um, the fact that most of the property was laid out. Um, the application relates to the erection of a four-bedroom detached chalet bungalow, and, um, which would look like that. Um, the site is located within the um, countryside protection zone and outside the development limits, and the officer's recommendation is that the application be refused due to the adverse impact on the um, character of the area. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. We have two speakers, and the first is from Takeley Parish Council. It's Councillor Bagnall. And you have three minutes, Councillor Bagnall. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm not going to go over what I said last time because this obviously was deferred, but I think it's just to remind the committee that it, the policies, as was stated earlier, are very much in force, and I think it's really important that we adhere to the policies that we set out. Uh, and I, I would urge that the committee 
fully supports the officer's recommendation for refusal because the country's own protection and rural aspect is so key in our district and I don't think we can start allowing drip feeding of exceptions. I think it's really important that we adhere to the policies. So I'm not going to go over the old ground. It's, there are two policies. It's the um, policies S7 and S8 are crucial. Um, and we know the history where this has been refused. It went to an appeal. It was also refused by the inspector uh, for the same reasons. So I see nothing that has changed that should allow it to be anything but refused. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Backnell. And the second speaker is the applicant, Mr James Salmon. And you two have three minutes, Mr Salmon. Thank you. The first five items on this afternoon's agenda propose a total of 196 houses, all within the countryside and even some in the Greenbelt, all recommended uh, for approval. <clears throat> this application is for one house at a site in Molehill Green in an area that's been affected negatively by the threat of airport expansion over the last 30 years. Paragraph 10 of the MPPF states that plans and decisions need to take local circumstances into account. Paragraph 14 of the MPPF informs that there should be a presumption in favour of sustainable development. Molehill Green is in a sustainable location and this is confirmed in the officer's report. The, I'll call it old-fashioned, local plan policy S7 seeks to restrict development in the countryside. However, the MPPF supports thriving rural communities within the countryside. It does not protect it for its own sake, as is in S7. The Countryside Protection Zone policy is concerned with protecting Stansted Airport. It is an airport in the countryside. It is to stop coalescing development and not to stop residential development, and we've seen that with other approvals within the Countryside Protection Zone. Uh, this application has been recommended for refusal due to the impact upon the countryside. There is no explanation as to why the impact here is so great that it outweighs the benefits. No justification is provided as to what this perceived harm would actually be and why in this instance it's so great that a sustainable development is recommended for refusal, particularly, as I said, 196 houses have been approved all within the countryside, all the Greenbelt today. Um, this is a self-build proposal, which is another matter that is a material consideration. Uh, I've put my name down on the self-build register in February. That's it. I've put my name down. I've not heard a thing. There is no policy. There is no mechanism to get a self-build house in Uttlesford. If there was going to be one in the emerging local plan, but that got scrapped, now we have no policy. Forty neighbours here have been notified. No objections, nothing. Parish Council have objected, but no neighbours have actually objected. Parish Council have objected because it's in the countryside. It's the, the old-fashioned, it's in the countryside, but we object. This would see improvements to the whole field. It would see improvements because it's a mess. It's a complete state at the moment. This would obviously tidy it up. We'd have a nice, new, attractive house there. It's already extremely well screened, um, and the site would, this development would see a new defensible boundary put up the side, um, hedging and trees, um, which would enhance the development, enhance biodiversity in the area. It would just simply make it look better. Um, the, the existing track, again, it's, it's so poor at the moment this application would see it improved. Um, I would want it improved. Feel free to condition it because it's something I'm going to do if we get permission anyway. It would need to be done because although cars go up and down it, it's an established access at the moment. It's not great for your average car. Um, 
It is clear when balancing the positives of this proposal against the negatives that the benefits clearly outweigh the negatives considerably. In accordance with paragraph 14 of the MPPF, I request that members see the positives, see that this is a sustainable development uh, and and can allow this this proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Salmon. (coughs) Members, any questions of officers? Right. um, From my point of view... Uh, I think that the, as I was part of the planning committee that uh, dealt with the application for four houses on that whole site, which went right down to the cricket field, um, I was in favour at that time. And uh, the question I asked myself is, although it's not actually can't be attached to this current committee, but would that committee have refused one house and my gut feeling is that we would not have. Um, So I am going to propose from the chair that we approve this application subject to some conditions. Does that find a seconder? Seconded by Councillor Lodge. Just beat the other two to it. Thank you very much. Um, The conditions uh, would need to be fairly simple. This is a full application. It would be time it would be, uh, if we haven't got a landscaping drawing, we would need a landscaping drawing. Um, materials are noted, but we were just, or shown, indicated, but we would need a note of the materials to be used. And uh, I think, unless any members can think of any other condition that we ought to attach to this, uh, I'll be happy with that. And, or oh, obviously, uh, probably a drainage condition as well. Foul and soft and surface. Councillor Lockley, you wish to speak? Oh Councillor Mills. Uh, yes, Mr Chairman. Um, Obviously we are thinking or we are considering approving of one property. Presumably then the adjacent allotment gardens are going to come back at us for two more houses. Um, I don't see any reason. That, that is as it may be. That mm. is as it may be. The, it would be flying in the face of I just think that we've got to be very careful uh, with this one on, on the thin end of the wedge in as much as we are going against certain policy. I know you're aware yeah. of that. but it's Yeah, uh, yeah it's this application we're deciding, not a future one. Sure. So. Okay. Thank you for that. Yes, of course. On your suggested conditions, um, I'm, I'm going to do the same change to the proposed landscaping condition that I said last time, notwithstanding what's submitted, because currently we have uh, an airside. You'll find this quite often airport um, developments within a certain range of the airport landscaping scheme. We have to consult the airside ops to avoid bird strikes, and currently they're raising, I think, some concerns. But I'm just to be safe, but this won't kill anything in terms of causing any problems. But if I say notwithstanding submitted details, unless you're going to correct me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't state it, um, but I'm just concerned that there may also be additional condition requirements from airside ops um, regarding uh, bird hazard management plan and. Um, construction details because of the proximity to the airport. Um, If that is the case, uh, would you like me to... uh, Well, they they are required to be put on because of the safety of the operation of the airport. Yeah, that is absolutely essential. Sorry, I did forget that one. 
Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Um, well, I saw it last time, and, and like you, I wouldn't have approved for. But I, uh, you know, I saw, I've seen the site, and I wasn't unhappy with this. Um, but I'm just wondering, and it might not be possible that we condition that n there can't be anything else on that site, or do we have to wait to see if another application comes in and either refuse or accept it at the time? You just answered your, answer your, answer your, answer your own question. Yeah. You, you can't condition yeah. it to say they, they, everyone has a statutory right to put a planning application in. Councillor Hicks. So. Thank you. Councillor Hicks. There you are. Chairman, um, I don't agree with you. I think we have, um, over the past few years, in my experience, time after time rejected applications for single dwellings by people, by landowners of various sizes and descriptions. And if it's in the countryside, we have always had a policy of rejecting them. And I think this is flying in the face of the council's own policy is approving um, a, a one-off development of this kind, which uh, goes against policy. I just do not see the, uh, uh, how we can do this. And and justify refusing all the others which we have refused. I, I, I hear your point, Councillor Hicks, but uh, it's each application on its merits. Um, this application is in a situation where the policies that are concerned, uh, the countryside protection zone, is to prevent the airport sprawling. Um, and the S7, we the thing the applicant pointed out, we've, uh, we've approved some uh, houses today uh, against S7. So um, I, I think in this instance, this one um, is a departure from policy, if you like, but then most of what we do may well come up against um, a departure from policy at one time or another. Anyway, we shall go to uh, Councillor Lodge. Yeah, I think this, um, the application I think is to be commended for self-build. Uh, the, the only bit of sprawl is towards the cricket ground. It looks like a, a, a virtual part of the village to me, and I would very much support it. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Any further comments? And we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four. And those against? One, two, three. And that, therefore, that application is approved. Thank you. The next application is 4.7, it's application 15, stroke 1193, it's a full application at Great Chesterford and Emmanuel Alana is going to take us through. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application site is located at the rear of what is known as Dab's House, which is at this location. Dab's house is fronting London Road. As a little bit of a, a background I need to put before members on this application, which is not before you. The first application was actually about to be refused under delegated power, and the applicant pulled it back because the first initial application was a two-story at the back of Dab's house, and we felt that uh, it's not compatible with the character of the area and the likely harm it will have on the amenity of the residential buildings. On this occasion, the, this is the access at the moment. Uh, it's a byway, and uh, the boundary 
of that house is where I'm flashing at the moment. That is the existing rear garden of Dab's house, some part of it. This is the rear view of Dab's house. The application site is around this area because Dab's house appears to have a very surplus uh, back garden. And we have a policy which tends to encourage backland development if it's appropriate. The application has gone through a series of revision in order to address the concern raised by local residents, i.e. overlooking intrusion of, pri or, uh, intrusion of privacy. And in the committee report, members will note that some of the, there's a particular uh, condition three there, which restricts the, some of the Velox window from opening in order to prevent overlooking. Unbalanced, the application itself can provide its own amenity space to comply to council standards in terms of the number of bedrooms proposed. Officers felt that it's not going to cause overlooking. It's not going to obstruct sun and delighting to adjoining properties. The highway engineers, however, did not raise any concern. But appropriate planning condition has been placed in order to safeguard other road users. As members will notice, one of the conditions is that uh, prior to the implementation of this scheme, the applicant will need to widen the access that will lead to the development. Overall, the application is, is recommended for approval. Thank you, Mr. Alana. And we have some speakers on this application the first of whom is Gemma Dudley. And Mrs Dudley, you have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Gemma Dudley from Hewitts and Solicitors. I'm here to speak on behalf of the Gosling family and a number of other local res residents uh, who are strongly opposed to this proposed development. Uh, crucially, the development will fail to provide a suitable access to the main road network, contrary to local plan policy GEN1. The applicant proposes to access the new dwelling by way of the lane to the northwest of Dab's house, and there is a condition requiring this to be widened prior to first occupation. However, this road is owned by the Gosling family. It is not a public right-of-way or byway. The applicant does not have a private right to use it or indeed widen it. The Goslings have absolutely no intention of allowing the applicant to use or widen the lane and therefore this development is wholly undeliverable. It is established case law that planning authorities must consider the consequences of granting permission for a proposal that will never be built and I would ask you to do so in this case. It would certainly be undesirable to grant permission on the basis of a condition which simply prevents occupation of the dwelling prior to widening the access, since this would mean that construction traffic would be using an access which is acknowledged to be inadequate. It could also mean that the dwelling would be constructed only to stand vacant as a result of a failure to secure adequate access arrangements. 
In any event, the lane is entirely unsuitable for use of this nature, and in particular use by construction traffic, which is likely to cause significant damage to the lane and interfere with its use by those who do have a right to do so. Increased use of the lane will also clearly give rise to disturbance to neighbouring residents, and on this basis, the proposed development fails to meet the requirements of Local Plan Policy H4 in relation to backland development. The requirements of this policy are also not satisfied by reason of the overlooking and overbearing effect of this proposed development. In particular, Mrs Janice Gosling's property, Palm Glades, will be severely overlooked by the very large full-length window in the master bedroom on the northeast elevation. Again, the proposed conditions are inadequate in that there is no requirement to build in accordance with the plans and there is no proposal to remove permitted development rights, meaning that the development could be significantly altered in a way that further impacts on the amenity of local residents. The officer's report attaches a great deal of importance to the screening effect of fences and trees on the boundaries of the application site, yet again there is no condition proposed to ensure these features are retained. In any event, the applicant has already removed some fencing that they are obliged to retain along the boundary of Dab's house, so there are clearly no guarantees that the immunity of local residents will be protected by these boundary features. Accordingly, I respectfully ask you to refuse this application. Thank you, Mrs Dudley. And our next speaker is Peter Leverage. You have three minutes, Mr Leverage. Thank you. Ways, the closest house to the proposed new house. I too am surprised that the lilt of the report is that the house can be built before confirmation of access. There is a dispute ongoing regarding access. The solicitor before me has outlined the issues involved. And uh, that if the house is to be built before these issues are resolved, it's bound to cause concern that an empty house might be used as a tool to assist in forcing access. And if that were to be the case, I will surely the council would have become in some way a party to a land dispute. So that's that part. Now, turning to the matter of overlooking, um, Mr. Alana says that the overlooking has been dealt with. Well, the, from this master bedroom window that directly faces Palm Glades, there is an adequate sight line into um, my uh, kitchen diner, which is that part of my house which is, is just to the left of the B of byways, hmm? from that master bedroom. And uh, in addition, from the bedroom on the front elevation, there's equally an overlooking of, um, overlooking of Kismet, which is the house at the start of the lane on the opposite, the, the start of the lane on the opposite side to um, Dab's house. So I would suggest that the wording of 10.14, somewhat garbled, I might add does not address the situation. As an example, two of my neighbours have Leylandai hedges, 
which involved me in a certain amount of work to trim them on my side, but I respect their need for privacy. The proposed house respects nobody's privacy, least of all byways and palm glades. Looking at the passing place, as a civil engineer with some design experience of road layouts, albeit not my speciality, I fail to see how the passing place can function when a turning vehicle has no sight of the lane before it is alongside the parking place. So I can't see that that in any way functions as a passing place. I think that basically deals with my concerns. Hmm? And perhaps you could have the elevations showing. No, the, the, the elevations you just recently put up. The, the, that is the master bedroom, and certainly there's a sight line into my kitchen. And the bedroom up the top there on the left-hand side, that overlooks Kismet and also directly into my garden. But from a, at an angle to Kismet and directly into my garden. So I don't think overlooking issues have been dealt with. Okay, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Leverage. Our next speaker is Philip Kratz. You have three minutes, Mr. Kratz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And like Mr. Alana, I have some information that wasn't available to the committee at the start of the hearing. That is 136 all out. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Mr. Chairman. <laughs> as long as I get five more seconds. Um, Mr Chairman and Members, planning is actually very simple. Is the principle okay? And if the principle is okay, are the details okay? And that really isn't affected by whatever the policies may be because they're strategic in nature. In this case, the principle and the details are interwoven uh, because my clients, who are objectors to this proposal, uh, who live in Grant Close, would say that the very principle is not acceptable. And to put things in context, um, on the basis of what you've already heard this afternoon about your five-year supply of housing land and what Mr Brown has said about the um, applicability of your existing development plan policies, there's no need to revisit the question of the presumption in favour of sustainable development and in that context the very principle of a dwelling in this location can't just be accepted willy-nilly. The objections fall into two categories, the impact on the reasonable residential amenity um, of my clients and the other neighbouring interests, some of whom you've heard from, and secondly the public interest in the wider impact of plonking a dwelling in this tandem development location. Um, in relation to those objections, the proposal does give rise not only to genuine concerns of overlooking loss of privacy and disturbance to existing neighbours by using that um, trackway which you've seen on the photograph, but also from the perception of such harm, and that is a material uh, consideration. The whole proposal fails to deliver good design, contrary to paragraph 56 of the MPPF, 
which is one of the things that you are always required to have regard to. I'm going to come back to that as well in a second. The proposal is contrary to the dominant character of the area because it's not only backland development, it is the archetypal tandem development that when I was doing my training, regrettably 38 years ago now, I was always told the tandem development is the one that gives rise to all the difficulties. Difficulties for delivery agencies, be it the post office, the milkman, the paper boy, the ambulance trying to find you when you've had your heart attack, but for everybody. Um, it's, it's that piggybacking on. And despite the attempts to keep the design of the proposed um, new two-storey, because although it's um, on uh, one and a half storey in appearance it's nonetheless living on two levels um, as low as possible by artificially restricting the ridge height, by digging it into the ground and one of the elevations you were shown showed that in order to achieve the ridge heights they had to remove about 47 lorry loads of earth to, to begin to bury the house um, but also by having in one of the bedrooms a fixed obscure glazed window once you begin to see these, the clues are there that the very principle is actually struggling to justify itself. Um, the impact of that design, I say, is as much to do with the location of it as with the details. The doubts um, expressed by others about the rights to use the road are well founded because it will give rise not only to uh, non-deliverability questions but the real problem should the house be built and then there be arguments about other accesses. For all those reasons, uh, members, my clients and it seems everybody including the Paris Council would say, please exercise your discretion and refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kratz. And uh, next speaker is the applicant's agent. I've got a query after your surname. Is it Hilary Locke? It is. It is. Thank you. Now, according to our rules, you have nine minutes. You're welcome. Although I'm not the designated agent, I'm actually the planning consultant that prepared all the submissions for this application. Originally, I wasn't going to uh, repeat the merits of the proposal because the application is obviously recommended for approval. But I think it's important to remind members that this is a sustainably located site within Great Chesterford, which is a, a key settlement. The principle of a dwelling here has been established with the previous grant of planning permissions, albeit those permissions have lapsed, the principle is still established. The, as it says in the officer report, this proposal meets all of the Council's adopted policies and its standards, and this includes standards which are designed to avoid overlooking, overshadowing and light loss to neighbouring properties. Um, the garden area for the new dwelling would also be well in excess of standards. Now, whilst I can appreciate the concerns of local residents, you will see from the, the plan before you uh, that the distances between buildings are actually quite generous. And the principle of having buildings along this private drive or private lane has already been established with byways and palm glades. A separate issue that's generated a lot of local concern is obviously the issue of rights of access. This is the subject of ongoing legal negotiations between my clients and the owner of the private access road, 
but I stress this is a private matter that's separate to the planning application. I've heard the comment of the solicitor from Hewitson's to say that there's no prospect of the development happening, but actually I don't think it's correct to say that as discussions are still ongoing. As part of the application, the applicants offered a Grampian condition, uh, and you will see that set out in the planning statement, that would actually basically say rather than prior to the occupation of the proposed dwelling, the private drive to be widened, etc., it should actually say no development shall take place until. Now, subject to the rewording of that condition, the applicants would not be able to build the house until the issue of access is resolved. If the legal issues are never resolved, the applicants would have a planning permission that they couldn't implement, but that isn't a reason to withhold the grant of planning permission. It should be stressed as well that Essex County Council have raised no concerns about the nature of the proposed widening. In all other regards, the proposal would accord with policy and it would be sustainable development within a key settlement. As we've heard today, the Council has only 5.1 years of land supply and every new house that can be built within settlements adds to that supply. I ask the committee to focus on the planning issues and accept that any private legal rights could be safeguarded by the recommended Condition 6. In addition, my clients would be happy to accept landscaping conditions uh, that would seek to um, preserve the boundary planting. You'll see on one of the plans that's submitted, we actually offered a buffer strip. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Lock. Uh, members, any questions of officers? Councillor Lachlan? Thank you. Uh, could Mr. Brown or Mrs. Oliver please confirm that uh, a right-of-way or access is a civil matter and nothing to do with planning? That um, is, yeah, sorry, uh, it's not a valid planning consideration. Can I just add a little bit to that as well? What, what, what the agent said was correct in terms of saying, although you heard that this would never happen, I don't think you can ever say it's never going to happen, and that's certainly not a material consideration. And the suggested condition that, uh, that was suggested by the agent, I was just going to do the same thing, actually. You, just turning it around to make it no development means, okay, if they can't secure the means of access, the house won't get built. But I do agree with the residents' concern that you could end up with this white elephant house built with an access being argued, and yes, we would have allowed them to do that. So therefore, I think it's probably better to have no development. Sorry, but then they wouldn't be able to build it anyway because they wouldn't have access to vehicles with bricks and cement and things getting down the track, would they? So if you take it to its logical conclusion, yeah, exactly. you're probably, you're probably so right there as well. But I think you no know, development makes it safe anyway, I think. Any other comments? Right, thank you. We have a recommendation for uh, approval subject to conditions. Does that find a proposer? Councillor Lachlan is proposing that. Does that find a seconder? I will second that from the chair. So we will then go to the vote on this. So all those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four. And those against? Three. That matter is approved. Thank you. Our next... Item is 4.8 on the agenda, 
application 15 stroke 1076, a full application at High Easter, and Sarah Marshall will take us through. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, the application is for the conversion of an existing agricultural building into a residential dwelling. The site is located on a dogleg corner of Slough Road, which is a narrow lane. The site is approximately 800 metres northwest of the settlement of High Easter and falls within the countryside setting. The surrounding area is comprised of open agricultural fields and the lawful use of the land is agricultural. I've got a helpful Google overview. Uh, this is the site here and this is High Easter down here. Uh, the existing building is a single-storey breeze block building with a high-pitched roof. The proposed modifications to the building involve the increase in to the ridge of the height to allow an additional floor level and additional glazing. The, fin the finished building will be clad in feather-edged boarding with a pan-tiled and slate roof. Whilst it is considered that reusing agricultural buildings for residential use can be an appropriate form of development, it does need to be located in a suitable and sustainable location in line with both the MPPF and the local plan. The site is not considered to be in a sustainable location and as there are no footpaths, cycleways, bus routes or streetlights, the occupants would, would be dependent on private motor vehicles to access services in High Easter and further afield. The current building does not enhance the visual appearance of the countryside setting and the proposed development will be of a tra traditional vernacular Essex barn. It is considered that the proposed development is not in a sustainable location and is not necessary for the country countryside location. And the recommendation is refusal. Uh, Thank you, Mr Marshall. <coughs> we have... Uh, one speaker, which is the applicant's agent, Mark Jackson. You have three minutes, Mr Jackson. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Good afternoon, members. I represent the applicant, Mr Paul Johnson. Mr Paul Johnson wishes to convert and live at the barn. All member councillor Mrs Bargas asks that the application is referred to committee as she is of the opinion that the proposal will be an improvement of what is already there. Officers have recommended that the application is refused because residents will be dependent on private motor vehicles to access services and amenities contrary to the MPPF. However, the MPPF is a proactive and positively encourages the reuse of existing redundant buildings for residential or commercial purposes as contributing towards sustainable rural development. The policy supports residential development in the countryside where the development would reuse redundant or disused buildings and lead to an enhancement to the immediate setting. There is no longer a national requirement to demonstrate that there is no demand for commercial or community use first. Officers have advised in the committee report that the development will improve the visual appearance of the site and the building. The structural engineer report advises that the building is structurally sound and minimum work works will be required to accommodate the proposal. The proposal is therefore compliant with the relevant criteria of Council Policy H6, conversion of rural buildings to residential. The building exists. It is set within its own curtilage and vehicles come and go to the site every day. 
The building is some 650 metres from St Mary's Church in the village. There are three neighbouring houses that are further from the village than this site. The proposal will enhance the building and the immediate setting of the area. Only the height is proposed to be increased to produce a roof pitch in keeping with an old Essex farm building. The footprint remains the same. The scale is hardly changed and the proposal will sit happily in the landscape. There are no objections to the development from statutory consultees. The County Highway Authority raises no objections subject to conditions. Two neighbour letters of support have been received. No letters of objection received. The parish do not object to the principle of development but raise concerns as to the size of the roof extension. I'm of the opinion that development complies fully with the latest planning policy on the reuse of buildings in the countryside, that it accords with the relevant criteria of Council Policy H6 dealing with the reuse of agricultural buildings. Further, the proposal accords with Council Policy Gen 2 by fully addressing the design and impact of the proposal in the rural area. We therefore ask that members grant planning permission for this conversion. Thank you, Chairman and members. Thank you, Mr Jackson. Uh, members, do we have any questions of officers on this one? Well, we have a recommendation for a review. Yes, Mr Councillor Mills. Yes, Sorry. have we got any images of what it looks like at the moment, please? Right, OK. So that's the front elevation of the building. Uh, that is from the flank looking out towards Slough Road and that's Slough Road and where that car is that's the access into yeah. the site. Okay, thank you. Uh, when we look at, sorry, did you want to make further comment on that? Uh, no. oh, thank you. Um, when we look at those, um, Sarah, there, there is a, um, a concrete slab bounded by brickwork. Do we know what that purpose of that was? No, I'm no. not sure. No. Okay. Right. Sorry. Uh, yes, we had a recommendation for refusal. Does that find a proposer? Councillor Davy, does it find a seconder? Councillor Hicks. Anybody wish to make any comment at this time? Nope. Then we'll go to the vote on that one. The recommendation, the sorry, the proposal is for a refusal. Uh, all those in favour, show. One, uh, three. Thank you. And all those against the refusal. One, two, three. Any abstentions? One. One abstention. So I have a casting vote, which I shall cast in favour of development. Oh, sorry, against the refusal. I, I do beg your pardon. On that basis, then, we need a proposal for approval. Is there a proposal for the approval? Subject to conditions. Councillor Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Lockin. Conditions that we should attach would be time, materials, drainage, landscaping. Environmental Health have um, suggested a condition as well. Have they? Yes. Fine, thank you. Yeah. 
as has highways. Right. Don't get a foldable on this one, do we? It's not big enough. No, that's no. it. Right. Okay. Oh, oh, could I also suggest we take away the permitted development rights because we're talk we're approving this as a conversion. Yes, indeed. Yep. Okay. Right. Sorry, I'm, I've lost myself. Where are we in terms of... You've got a proposal and a seconder, but you haven't had a vote. No, fine. We've got a proposal and a seconder for approval, subject to those conditions. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three. Against? One, two, three. Abstentions? One. I have a casting vote, and I shall cast that in favour of approval, subject to conditions. Thank you. I've had a request for a small comfort break, a short comfort break, sorry. Um, so five minutes, please, members. Thank you. Apologies for those waiting. Just bear with us. That's the one you need to apologise to. Well, you've got a train to get. <laughs> Who? Oh. Well, what, are you, what one are you doing next, then? Oops, sorry.
Okay. Application uh, 15-1655, Householder, uh, whatever the F is. Householder full. Full application, sorry. Ugly. And who's taking us through this one? Sam. Sam, it's me. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application site comprises a two-storey detached dwelling located outside development limits in Ugly. This application relates to proposed loft conversion, rear ground floor link extension, porch extension and the rotation of the garage roof. The proposed development is considered to be of acceptable size, scale and design and in keeping with the pattern of surrounding development. The proposal will have no detrimental impact on the amenity of neighbouring residents. The applicant has demonstrated that there is off-road parking provision in accordance with the adopted Uttlesford parking standards. The proposal is considered to be acceptable in accordance with the relevant Uttlesford local plan policies and recommended for approval. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we have one speaker on this application, which is the agent Robert Robin Streatham. Last man standing. Last man standing, yeah. <laughs> You've got three minutes. Thank you. We'll give you more than that, really. Uh, fantastic. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Chairman and Ladies and Gentlemen of the Committee. Uh, my name is Robin Stretton of Anthony Jane Architecture and Interiors. Uh, we're the agent and the designers of this particular project. Uh, the applicant are a very young couple who have made a financial and, most importantly, an emotional decision to stay in this village for many years to come. Their children attend the local schools and they see a very long-term future for their family in this particular house. Uh, the project has been designed with the intention of providing additional amenity and therefore enjoyment space for the family as their two children grow up. The modest single-storey rear extension provides an all-weather link to the garage as well as a much-needed utility room for the family. Uh, the rotation of the garage roof has only been considered due to the large shadow that's cast by the existing gable wall across the entire rear portion of the, of the garden, which seems to coincide exactly at the time of the afternoon when you want to try and use this particular area. So all we're doing is rotating the garage roof. We're not raising the ridge heights or changing the pitch in any way. It's purely to gain additional uh, afternoon sun and evening light into this area. Uh, the loft conversion allows for the formation of the uh, young couple's main bedroom and a much more private ensuite for the couple upstairs. Uh, given the uh, trend of making modern houses now centred around the kitchen and therefore on the ground floor, uh, it is not envisaged that the bedroom will be used other than for during the period of overnight and we have furthermore resisted the temptation to try and convert the top dormer by having um, a set of patio doors and a Romeo and Juliet balcony and therefore for greater use during the natural daytime. So it is purely there as a use for the bedroom and overnight. Um, we have sought to encourage um, the limited amount of um, overlooking for this dormer. Um, on the rear, we have uh, four windows. Um, one of those windows affords the uh, staircase access. One is obscured and therefore for the bathroom. And we have only two small windows, which are there for ventilation and allowing natural daylight into the bedroom itself. Uh, the dormer faces across only a small portion of the rear garden of Orchard House, uh, with the main house being some 25 metres away but at an oblique angle. Uh, the existing large timber fence and screening located on the boundary is some 7 to 10 metres away from the applicant's house and will afford a significant level of separation. 
I'll therefore conclude that uh, we have tried to design a modest and considerate extension for this property using appropriate materials to ensure it is in keeping with its surroundings and only strive to improve the home of a valued and committed member of the village and its community. And I therefore seek to obtain an approval, please. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Stretton. Uh, members, questions of officers on this one? Councillor Lachlan? Thank you. Well, one of the reasons I called this in was uh, for overlooking, which I think has now been addressed. But do we have uh, any pictures of the surrounding, of the neighbouring properties, so that we can see if they are in keeping? Um, with regard to the um, proposed dormer windows on the front elevation, there are two properties um, in the same street. You can see one there that's got a front dormer and the other one there. Um, with regard to the porch change, there you can see just off that, just on the, on the edge of that photo, there's a porch there that's um, different to the others in the street. Um, and with regard to the rear dormer, there are two other properties in the same close that have applied for a certificate of lawfulness for the dormers because this dormer, it would be um, allowed under permitted development anyway. Okay. And I, actually, I've got another photograph where you can see that's the photograph taken from the um, first floor bedroom. Uh, and above that would be the um, dormer window, so it would have the same view. So you can see there's good screening on okay. the boundary there. Thank you. Any other comments? No. So we have a recommendation for approval subject to conditions. Uh, does that find a proposer? Uh, Councillor Lodge, do you find a seconder? I will second it from the chair. Thank you. Any other comments? No, we'll go straight to the vote. All those in favour of approval, please show. One, two, three, four, five. And those against? Any abstentions? One. We've missed someone. That's then. not right, is it? No. We've missed someone. Three, five, seven. So six, six nil one. Right. Okay. Thank you. That one is approved. Thank you. Our next application is uh, item four point ten, uh, fifteen stroke one seven four five. Uh, Saffron Warden and Mr Brown will take us through this one. Right. This is very simple. <laughs> Uh, we've approved planning permission for our own residential development on Catons Lane and all this change requires is regarding the two matters, one concerning the porch details which as you'll see here originally had columns on them and some, um, some, some detailing here. All that is proposed is for those, and also these on the other elevations here, is for those porches to be changed from being with columns there, literally have cantilever roofs there, and uh, some slight changes to that, but the, the principal change is actually changes to the porch. This is a non-material amendment. It is, by definition, extremely, extremely minor. The only reason in front of you is because it's our own development. Yeah, they're adding the cantilever brackets at the top, as opposed to columns. Thank you. I have no hesitation in recommending this for approval from the Chair. Does that find a seconder? Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. All, goes, all those in favour, please show. Thank you. That is approved. And the next application is 4.11, 15 stroke 1722, 
so just the building application in Saffron Walden, and again, Nigel Brown will take us through. Right. This, the actual plans, again, it's so minor, the, the plans don't make any sense. The way all this is, if you go in this building down to the print room, down at the very depths of the building, down towards a bomb shelter, but what you basically do, all they're doing is removing, breaking through from the, um, from the print room and making the print room bigger by providing a room in there. So they're knocking a wall, wall through and actually providing a, a, um, a, a, a temporary wall in, in the middle just to make that room bigger. It needs a list of building assent because we're a list of building and again, the only reason it's in front of you is because we're doing it and it's recommended for approval, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mr Brown. Um, I noticed that... Uh I'm just looking for the listed building officers' consultation. Historic England, no, uh, no objection. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Page 142, paragraph 8, proposal acceptable for non-impactful special architectural merit. I didn't have my microphone yeah. on. Uh, page 142, paragraph 8.1, proposal acceptable as it would not oh, be impactful yes. special architectural merit. Yeah, thank you very much. I missed that. Okay, right. Any queries, members? Okay, does it's this form, or does it yes, this is Councillor Davy, by the way. Does this uh, access through this wall, does that compromise the, uh, the um, shelter? The bomb no, shelter. it doesn't. No. Thank you. Fine. We have a, a recommendation for approval. Does that find the proposer? Councillor Mills, seconder Councillor Fairhurst, thank you. All those in favour, please show. Thank you, that is approved. That's the end of the applications. We now have item 5 on the agenda, section 106, applications review. And Mr Pine is going to take us through this. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. This is an annual update report on financial contributions held by the Council. The table that is appended to the report gives details of the contributions that are currently held and amounts that have been forwarded during the last year. Paragraph 9 explains that about £2.73 million has been received since the last report, and just over two-thirds of that money is for education and school transport, which is consistent with, with um, the report last year. Paragraph 10 sets out the new planning guidance on seeking contributions for affordable housing, which now means that the Council will have to forego about £1.57 million, assuming all the developments were implemented, and that would have been enough money to fund about 12 affordable houses. Uh, we did take part, Chairman, in a survey by the Local Government Association referred to in paragraph 11 on the impact of this new guidance, and we're still awaiting the results of that survey, but I think we're going to be most interested in the results of that survey. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Pine. Uh, any questions, members, on the content of the review? Councillor Lodge. I, I noticed that in um, paragraph 8 it says that the County Council is, is not always uh, a, a signatory uh, on, on 106, and particularly for education. I'm led to understand that out of the, out of the 12, the other 11 district councils do, as, as a matter of course, become signatories to 106 agreements, particularly for education. Is there a good reason why Ottlesford doesn't? The main reason, Chairman, was to speed up the, the process of getting the agreement signed and issued. It was taking quite a long time. Um, 
with having tripartite negotiations between the developer, ourselves and the county council. So it was felt that in the majority of cases it, it would be more efficient if the district council were the sole signature from the local authorities' point of view and that we'd have responsibility for forwarding the money onwards. Yes, please. Uh, we deal with uh, 106 agreements for contributions uh, solely uh, using Uttlesford District Council and the developer. If there is land involved or school premises in, in, involved, then the County Council are a party to the agreement. I think I see the, the differentiation there. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you for that, Mrs. Oliver. Any other queries? Thank you. Um, the recommendation is that we note this report, so uh, we consider the report noted. Thank you. Thank you. S item six on the agenda is planning agreements. So we have a table there somewhere. We do? Yes. And that just shows the up-to-date situation. Does anybody have... Do you need to say anything? Not really, except it was up-to-date when, uh, when it was submitted. It's probably uh, moved okay. forward since yeah. then. Okay. Any issues that members wish to raise a query on? No, thank you. Then uh, that's accepted. Thank you very much. Um, we await the outcomes of all of those. Uh, item 7, no urgent business. So I am going to declare the meeting closed at 16.47. Thank you very much.